It is time to dig into the message for this morning, and I am so pumped. I didn't get to preach to you last week. I'm so pumped to preach to you um, this week. It's so glad, I'm so glad to be home. Uh, if you don't know, uh, you know, kind of what has taken place the last week, there were 13 of us, supposed to be 16 of us, but one of us was in the hospital and two of us did not get their passports in time. So it wound up being 13 of us. Hey, if you want to go next year, let me just go ahead and say, start getting your passport now, and maybe it will come in, uh, because we had lots of issues this year with passports. Uh, and so uh, we had 13 of us that were gone doing a mission trip in Cuba, and it was fantastic. Thank you so much for those of you that gave to that mission trip, for those of you that bought raffle tickets for the beef for that mission trip, for those of you that, uh, that came and, and helped in any type of way for that mission trip. I want to say thank you because it was an incredible trip. Come on, give it up, church family, for those that, that helped with that. Also, I just want to say that my mind was blown, y'all. So we went this year, and I just want to share a couple of things because it was confirmation to me of the things that God has been speaking and sharing with me to share with our church. So a couple of things that happened in Cuba, we get there, and now the building project that they're doing is on top of the church. So they build up. There's not a lot of acreage. Uh, they do everything in meters, but there's not a lot of acreage that they have there. And so when you build, you just build up on top of, and then you, you build to build up, and you just keep building up. And that's how they, they, everything's concrete, and that's how they build. And so right now, they're building a, a, a place on top of the church. And I was asking him about what they're building on top of the church, and I thought it was so cool. We're building dorms in the heart center. And he starts telling me that they're building dorms on top of the church. And so then I was like, whoa, no kidding. So you're building the same thing that I'm building, sort of. And so we start digging into what the Lord has been speaking to him. Check this out, y'all. He got a prophetic word that his church was going to be a training center for pastors. Now, for those of you that know what I'm talking about, you're going to know that sounds very familiar because three years ago, I got a prophetic word that our church was going to be an apostolic center that was going to be a training center for pastors. And so he said, I'm building the dorms because that's going to be a place where they're going to stay while I'm training them to be a pastor. And I said, hey, that's crazy because I'm building dorms and I'm going to have a place where I'm training people to be pastors. So then we kept on digging. Y'all, it was so cool. So they're building and doing the exact same thing that God is speaking and doing in our church. Is that not insane? Not only that... But if you remember the last few months, I've been preaching about God empowering the church. I've been preaching about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and great faith and, and, and words of wisdom, words of knowledge, miracles and healing and tongues and interpretation and how I believe in this last day. You've heard me say this over and over and over again, that Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. How many of you have heard me say that? A lot lately, I've been saying that. But the only way that that's going to take place is if there is a church that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because demons got power, and Satan's got power, and evil spirits got power. And if we're going to be more powerful than they are, then we're going to have to have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us and working in us and moving in us. Somebody say amen. And so we go to our, our other church, our home group that we, that's from the church. They set up church way differently than we do, but it's a mission that they've set up. And uh, the pastor that's preaching, you know what he preaches about? He preaches about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He says that, that we should be having healings and we should be having demons casted out and that that should be normal in the church. And I turned to my wife and I was like, holy cow, I said those same exact things last month. Is it not crazy that exactly what God is speaking over there, he's speaking to us here? It blows my mind. My mind was blown. I know it shouldn't, but it does. It makes me go, hey, I'm hearing you. 
Anybody else? And so it's really cool to see all of those, um, all of those parallels between our two churches, the heart of their church and the heart of their church is the same. And um, so we're, it's an honor for us to partner with, I call them Kloss and Cuba. Uh, and so Kloss and Cuba, they, they call their church the lighthouse, but Kloss and Cuba sounds better. And so, um, so this morning, uh, as I'm getting ready to jump into the message, if you haven't been here, we've been in a series of messages called Guess What I Have. Everybody say, Guess What I Have. And this series is all about the life of David. We're walking through the life of David. The very first week, three weeks ago, I preached a message called, I Have Been Called. Anybody believe that you've been called? And so what we did was we dove in and we looked at when David was called and Samuel had to go to Jesse's house and, and, uh, and we see all of this play out to where um, God tells Samuel, he's the one that I've chosen. He's the one that I've called. The cool thing about us is that he's called all of us. Somebody say amen. He's got a calling and a mission and a vision for every single person in this room. And so I preached this message, I have been called three weeks ago. Last week, my dad preached the message. How many of y'all enjoyed the message last week? Amen. Last week, my dad preached a message called, I have been equipped. And you know what we learned in the life of David? We learned that as God was setting up his future, he was equipping him in the right now to get him ready for the future. For example, God knew that David was going to need to fight Goliath. So God knew while he was protecting the sheep, he needed to fight a lion and a bear. And God was equipping him to fight Goliath while he was fighting the lion and the bear. Somebody say amen. amen. God knew that, that David was going to be the king, so he was going to need to know how to run the kingdom. So God set David right beside Saul in the, court, uh, in the court so that he could learn how to run the kingdom. Listen, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to understand, that God knows exactly what you need for your future right now, and he's giving you everything that you need for your future right now today to equip you for what he wants you to do. Isn't that good? Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. So today, the message title is, I have a mission. I have a mission, and I want to kick this off with a little video. I want you to see, um, I didn't do this. I wish I'd have done this a few years ago, but I, I didn't do this a few years ago when we went to Cuba the first time. It looks completely different uh, now. It's five years, been five years. And so I want you to see the church. We're going to run a video, and then I have a couple of people that are going to share about the trip real quick. If you could go ahead with that video. What is up, Clawson family? I want to show you the church that we've been building the last five years in Cuba. So now when you drive up to the church, this is what you see. And then as you come into, you walk through this door, we're going to do a visual of all of the church. So when you're walking through, this is what you see. I'm going to show you the church in just a minute. But first I want to show you what we started with five years ago. So when we got here, the very first thing that we did was go up these stairs. And this used to be the church up here, which is now the kitchen and the fellowship hall. So we did all of our services year one in this room. This room right here was the church. And right here where the kitchen is used to be the, the stage for the services. All of the services were held up here. And now you can see this is where the kitchen is. And you guys have actually funded most of what is going on in the kitchen, most of the things that they use. Now we're going to go down and I'm going to let you see the church. Right. 
so this is the building that you guys have. Some of you have actually built on it and some of you have given towards it. And I want to show it to you because it's beautiful. So this is their new building that they finished this past year. Beautiful stage, beautiful tower. It's just gorgeous in here. And then I just want to show you the whole building. It's huge compared to what they used to deal with. Look at this. And no air conditioning, obviously, so it's all fans, uh, but absolutely beautiful. Thank you guys for what you do. Now let me show you the pastor's house, the bathrooms, and then we're going to check out what they have built in there. So if you go to the bathroom in Cuba, this is what it looks like. You got your toilet, no air conditioning. You get the sweating time in the bathroom. <laughs> the pastor's house is actually right underneath the fellowship hall. And so pastor lives right here, just for his privacy. I'm not gonna show you his whole house, but you walk in, there's two bedrooms and then a, a, a kitchen and a little little area out here is kind of a living area. And then I wanna show you what we're doing next. So what does the church look like in the future? It's really cool. They have a, a prophetic word that was given to them, very similar to Clawson's prophetic word about being an apostolic sinner. And so because they have taken that word very seriously, they are now building on, on top of the church, they're building a dormitory area so that they can train pastors and have them live here. So this area over here is going to be the, uh, the one side of the dormitory area. Over here in the middle is going to be the bathrooms. This is the bathroom for this dorm. And then over here, we have the bathroom for this dorm. And then this will be another dorm. We actually poured the concrete for uh, the top layer of this dorm yesterday. And so I just wanted, a lot of you, you give to Cuba, you give to the Cuba mission. This church is awesome. They're doing so much. They are the biggest church in this, in this place called Jovellanos, Cuba. And thank you for what you do. Uh, I encourage you to come next year. It is fantastic, except for the heat. Everything else is fantastic. Love you guys. You're awesome. Thank you. So I just want to say, y'all, y'all have funded that building over the, even the years that we did not go, we sent them money to continue the building. Uh, and so y'all have funded that building. Y'all bought them the drum set, put the projector in. I mean, that, th what they get to enjoy is uh, partially because of God providing it through you guys at this church. And so thank you. Come on, would you give our church family a hand? Okay, I wanted, I wanted a couple of people to share with you, just uh, let you hear their heart. Um, first question is what, uh, so obviously this is a mission trip. I'm preaching a message called I, uh, I Have a Mission. What drew you to be interested in or want to go on the mission trip to Cuba? Hi, guys. Um, well, to answer that, I have a huge calling for mission trips. Um, if I had one thing I could do in the rest of my life would be travel the world and just go on mission trips and serve others no matter the language barrier. That's cool, that's very cool. Okay, uh, same question, yes. Um, a couple of years ago, whenever Ken showed the video, like in 2019, it broke my heart for the people that were there and God put a desire in my heart to wanna go and serve like alongside these people to see, here we serve, but to see what it is like to serve in an environment like that. That's cool. Okay, next question, Tess, you ready? Next question is, what did this trip do in you uh, 
um, for you? What did the Lord speak to you? What was the coolest part of the trip? Whatever it is really that you want to share uh, to the church family. I would say, what did he not do? <laughs> <laughs> but what our wants are totally not what we need or what we want. They are happy with nothing. They can make toys out of sticks. They can, they're content with what they have. They can give their shirt. If you need a shirt, they'll take it off and give it to you. That's cool. That's cool. Ashley, same question. What, what, uh, what rocked you? What um, did this trip do to you, for you, in you? What did the Lord speak to you? So I was completely blown away with everything. <laughs> like there's, a, there's not enough time to explain what goes on over there. But um, the biggest thing for me is just watch, watching them worship in every part of their lives. Like we gave them towels and like kitchen utensils and stuff like that. And they literally broke out in worship to God over kitchen utensils. And here we take so much for granted. Like it, it brings me to tears. Like whenever I stepped off the plane and came back home, it just makes me smile and gives me so much gratitude about the little tiny things in our lives that we take for granted. Over there, they have nothing, like literally dirt floors and you, they invite you into that. Us, we worry if we have laundry on our couch, inviting people over. They invite us in and we worship God together and they serve us. We go over there and we're like, we're gonna go serve them for this week, no. Our serving, whenever we go over there and serve them, it is completely different. And they, are, they have so much to give with nothing. Literally, they have nothing in all they, like they give, they have so much joy and faith and love. It's just, it blows my mind. Yeah. And it just gives me a heart to, I don't know, just gratitude and show everybody, I mean, you really should be happy in everything and worship God through everything you do. It's good. We have no idea. That's good. Would y'all give it up for them this morning? Thank y'all so much. Think about what Ken said in the prayer meeting this morning. So Ken, um, while uh, there was a group of us that stayed at the church and we were cutting up, uh, <laughs> what was it called? Yucca? Yucca. We were cutting up uh, yucca roots and getting them ready because that was supper. And... Um, and Ken and, and another group went and they were, uh, there's some missions that they wanted to go. And so our church gave a study Bible, a Thomas Chain reference study Bible, $100 and a couple of other things like in a gift bag to each of these missions, each of these churches. $100 just so that you know, uh, $1 is 205 Cuban pesos. And so $100 over there is about two months of salary for your normal average person. So that's two months salary. And so Ken said, uh, when he went to give him the stuff, he said he handed him the $100 and he was like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. You know, it's, that's gonna be a huge help for the church. He said he handed him the Bible and it's a study, you know, a Thomas Hame reference study Bible. He said the guy freaked out. He said, I've always wanted a Bible like this Bible. It's hard for them to get Bibles really hard for them to get study Bibles. Cuba is not like America. And so it, it, the hundred dollars he like throws down and he's like on the Bible, like, like my life is complete. Now I got this Bible. Us, it's a $50 Bible that we order on Amazon. It's not the same for them. And so just the, the, the difference in mindset 
between American people and lots of other people is, uh, man, if, if you've never been to a, a place that can rock your world and, and really shift your mindset like that, you should go. Every American should have to go to Cuba or a place like Cuba. Uh, it will teach you a lot. We used to make our kids go to Mexico just so that they could learn how good they have it uh, when they come back. And then we'd come back and they'd be like, golly, it's, it's so much different. Uh, but yeah, I just... Um, Anyways, I wanted you to hear that. Now, um, so that mission was, was awesome. The, the message today is I have a mission. We're gonna dig into your mission because God's got a mission for every person in this room. But before we do that, we're sticking with the life of David. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter seven. And, uh, and I'm gonna ask the Lord to bless our time this morning and then I'm gonna dive into the message. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless our time today. God, I pray that you would give every single person in this room exactly what they need from the message this morning. Lord, as we dig into the life of David, as we dig into what you've called us to do, manifest yourself in this place. Speak to us on an individual and a personal level. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 We all, we see in the life of David, we see, first of all, we see lots of missions but the mission for his life was one specific mission, but then he had to go on a, little, a lot of little mini missions to get him to this mission. Does that make sense? Some of you, yeah, I don't know. Okay, let me explain it. So the very first mission that I see on David's life is he had a mission to be a shepherd. Now, David didn't know this, but he was shepherding, getting ready to tend to a bunch of sheep because God had a calling for him to shepherd the people of Israel. And so this mission to shepherd the sheep eventually leads to a mission to shepherd the people. But he starts with this very first mission to shepherd. After that, dad gives him a mission on this mission. His mission is to take some bread and some cheese and take to his brothers. How many of y'all remember this mission? And it's when he goes and he hears Goliath. And so dad gives him a mission to take some bread and take some cheese and go feed your brothers and give it to the captain and all those things. So he goes on this mission. While completing this mission, he hears this gigantic giant come out and mock God, and God now gives him a mission to go kill the giant. So everyone knows that he takes the mission, he goes and he kills the giant, and probably a lot of us have never thought about this, but that is what got David famous. That is what made the people know who David was. So eventually, God's making people know who David is through killing the giant. God's getting David ready through shepherding. All of these mini missions is preparing him for the mission that God had for his life. The mission that God had for his life was to honestly to prepare the, the, the lineage and the kingdom for Jesus. Now, this is cool. Check this out. Anybody, anybody uh, he, he becomes king of Israel and God promises that, he's, that David's lineage will reign forever. And we see that his, his lineage reigns forever through King Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. Do y'all, anybody ever realize in the Bible when you read sometimes you'll hear Jesus called the son of David? That's nuts. Like thinking of, could he have ever been called the son of Josh? no. But that's exactly like what that is for David, for David's calling. He was called to king this. Hey, he had no idea that his mission was this big. I wonder if sometimes I have no idea the magnitude of the, the footprint that I could leave on the earth or that you could leave on the earth because sometimes we think way too small and God has so much more that he wants to do with us that we cannot even imagine. Amen? He's called the son of David. That's this David, the little shepherd boy, David. Let's, let's read this together. 2 Samuel chapter 7. I'm going to read a pretty good portion, 8 to 16. It says, now go say to my servant David. 
This is what the Lord of the heavens armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people, Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all of your enemies before, you, before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone that's ever lived on the earth. Wow. And I will provide a homeland for my people, Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. I want to jump down to... Verse 11, starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel, I will give you rest from all your enemies. Furthermore, the Lord declares he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He will be the one to build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne. Everybody say forever. Listen to this. He's talking about Solomon here. I will be his father and he will be my son. And if he sins, I will correct and I will discipline him with the rod like a father would do. But my father, but my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. Everybody say forever. forever. That's awesome. David's mission. Listen was to lead the people of Israel back to God. David's mission was to have such a heart after God that when he was boneheaded and stupid and foolish and he made mistakes, that David, God had a mission for his life that he was gonna help him turn back every single time. David's mission was to raise up and prepare one of his sons to take his place and Solomon would build the temple of God because God said that David's hands were too bloody. David's mission was to establish, establish the lineage of a kingdom that would reign forever. What a mission. No pressure, right? It's cool because we see David's mission for his life in the Bible from start to finish. We get to read his mission. But now I want us to dive into your mission. Everybody say my mission. I want us to look at God's mission for me and God's mission for you. Because actually, he may not have the same calling for every single one of us, I have a calling to pastor. Some of you have a calling to evangelize. Some of you have a calling to teach. Some of you, we all have different callings, but the mission that he has given us is for everyone. Everybody say everyone. everyone. Everybody say me. Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 to 20. I'm gonna read you two different passages of scripture. Here's what Jesus told his disciples. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands that I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I also want to read what he says in Mark 16, 15 through 16. Here's what he says. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Everybody say everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miracles and signs will follow those that believe. And then he gives us a list of miracles and signs that will follow those that believe. Listen, here's what I want you to hear. That mission is not for pastors. I mean, it is part of their mission. That mission is not for like deacons and high level Christians. No, no. That mission is for everyone that has decided to follow Jesus. When I decide to 
turn my life and follow Jesus, what I'm deciding is that I'm going to follow the teachings that he has given me and that I am going to be one of his disciples. And this mission is for every disciple of Jesus Christ. So the mission that God has for you is to spread his name around the globe. The mission that God has for you is to share truth with everyone. And the truth is, is the only way that we can be saved and be connected back to God. The truth is, is the only way that we can go to heaven. The truth is, the only way that we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit is through a God, through a, a king and a man that came and lived and died and his name is Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. And your mission and my mission is to spread that truth with my life. And if I am not spreading that truth with a world that is dead and dying, I'm failing at my mission. That's bold, Pastor. You're right. And the world needs to hear it right now more than ever before. And you need to hear it right now more than ever before. My family and your family needs to hear the message of Jesus through my life. Listen, I can't live like the world and preach Jesus to them and think they're going to accept him either. I got to live Jesus. I got to breathe Jesus. And I got to show people who Jesus is with my life. And then they're going to want Jesus. But if I live like the world and try to preach Jesus, it don't work. Your mission, my mission is sharing Jesus with as many people as we can. Somebody say amen. That's everybody's mission. So I want to share with you this morning three things about your mission that you need to know. Number one is this, if you're taking notes, you don't have to look for your mission. It's all over the Bible. I just read you two scriptures. That's your mission. What's, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, you do. That's a cop out. He told us all what you're supposed to be doing is spreading. If Jesus has done something in your life, talk about it. If Jesus saved you from being an addict, my ministry is, is telling people that Jesus saved me from being an addict. If Jesus restored my marriage, my ministry right now is God just restored my marriage. If Jesus saved me, if he healed me, if he did something in me, then what, what, I need to talk about it. And if I'm not talking about it, I'm failing at being a Jesus freak. The world needs to hear the message of Jesus more than ever before. And if he's actually working... Why would we not share it? If it's true and he does heal and he does change lives, why would we not share it? It would be because we don't actually believe it. Let's move on. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my, we've talked about this a lot. That doesn't mean you have to go preach the news. That means tell your story. You will tell your story of what you have witnessed that God has done. That's a witness. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I, I want to kind of break down that scripture for you. And I want to show you how that's played out in our church. Because we play out. It's very important to me, the Cuba family actually asked me why it was important for us to come to Cuba. And I said to them, well, it's important for us to come to Cuba because Jesus said 
that we're supposed to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so us coming to Cuba is part of the ends of the earth part. And so here's, let me kind of break down how we view that scripture. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, their home area was Jerusalem. So what he's saying is, I want you to go and tell people about me everywhere. I want you to start at home. And once you told everybody at home about me, then I want you to go out to the other cities. And once you reach those cities, I want you to go out to the states. And then once you reach out that area, I want you to go to the countries. I want you to go as far as you can go and tell as many people about me as what you can tell about me because I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what he's saying right here. Somebody say amen. amen. And so how do we do that in our church? In our church. And how can you help? You say, well, I don't exactly know what to do. Well, after today, you're not going to have that excuse anymore. I don't know how to reach my home. Okay, Clawson sets up the organization for you. We reach our home through bus ministry. You don't know how to reach your home? Yes, you do. You just don't want to sweat in the bus. You could be a bus monitor and reach home. You could work in the kitchen. You could serve on the parking lot team. We run bus ministries. Why? Because we believe that all people should be able to hear about Jesus, and if they can't get here, we'll go get them. We pass out food to people that are hungry. Why? Because Jesus told us to. And because we care about people and we love people. And we use that to show the love in the heart of Jesus to people. Listen, we got tons of, we have ministries to addicts and people that are getting off of drugs and trying and struggling with that. We have so, we have 13 different outreach ministries here at home. You say, well, I'm not reaching home. You can. All you got to do is sign up. Because we got all kind of places we can put you. Amen? Amen? So then how do we reach beyond home as a church family? As it gets a little bit more complicated. So how do we reach cities that are next to us? How do we reach states that are next to us? And I'll be honest with you. I don't give people money. I, I'm very big about being a good steward with God's money. And so I don't give people money unless I can see and know that what they're doing is 100% legit. And so we've had tons of missionaries that wanted to come in. I just say, I don't know you. I mean, like, you want to go to lunch with me? You want to show me what you do? You want to, then we'll talk about maybe building a relationship with you and supporting you. But if I don't know you, I'm not going to give God's money to you. That's not wise. Amen? And so, and so when we, we have partnered with places that I have seen that do excellent work. For example, the Los Angeles Dream Center. For a long time, I was giving tons of my money to the Los Angeles Dream Center. You know why? Because the church that I was serving was not doing what I thought that they should do, and the Dream Center was doing a whole lot, and so I was forking over all of my giving, not my tithes, but all of my giving over to the LA Dream Center. Why? Because I wanted to be a part of what they were doing. They were feeding 40,000 people a week. They were busing in thousands of people. They had pulled, I don't remember how many thousands of women out of prostitution. I believe in that. And if I believe in what they're doing, I can partner with them by giving to what they're doing. And so what Clawson does is, is we find places like Metro Ministries, like uh, LA Dream Center, like different areas. We, we partner with a place in Nacogdoches. We partner with, a, uh, with other pastors, church plants, things that we can partner to, with that we believe in and we have the same heart as them. We partner with them. That's how we reach Judea, Samaria, Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, uh, and Samaria. And then how do we reach the ends of the earth? Right now, we're partnering with five missionaries. We partner with a missionary in Indonesia. We partner with a missionary in Tunisia. We partner with a missionary. I'm going to have to look at my notes. 
uh, Scotland and then in Cuba and Mexico. And then how we also do that is we are very hands-on in Cuba and Mexico. And so we at Clawson actually has a warehouse in Mexico, very similar to what we have set up here so that we can, we can, um, equipped the body of Christ. So in Mexico, because we don't speak their language and all the things, we have a guy that goes down, he manages the warehouse. He passes out stuff to 25 to 30 churches to equip those churches to reach people. That's what we're doing. Y'all, that is awesome. We're in, in Cuba, we go, we're building the church in Cuba. They, he actually said, they, um, the, the group that I went to is looking to build a church in San, San Carlos is looking to build a church. And so they just bought a plot of land with water and electricity for $300. And they weren't sure that they were going to be able to buy it at first. And I said to him, we can't actually go send money to Cuba. You got to fly over there with money. I said to him, if that ever happens again and you don't have the money, just text, send me a message on Facebook and I will fly somebody to you with the money because that is stupid not to buy that. I mean, it, 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 it was a great deal. And so they bought it. They, they chopped down. I wish I had the picture for you. They chopped down all the stuff. They're working on the, the landscape right now and they're about to start working on building a second church over in this different area so that people don't have to walk so far to get to the first church. Y'all, that's, that's what it's about. That's how we're partnering. That's how we're ministering. How are we reaching the world? That's exactly how we're reaching the world. We're doing everything that we can. Let me show you real quick um, uh, a couple of pictures of the Cuban church the very first year that we got there. Uh, give me the first one. Okay, look, y'all, that beautiful building that you just saw, this is me up in the church taking a picture uh, of the, the building whenever we first got there um, five years ago. Go to the next picture. So this is their church. Up at the top, right there is where the kitchen is. There where Ken and Ray is standing is where the kitchen is now. There's now a wall right there. Go to the next one. And then you can see used to, they did not have walls up there at, uh, in, inside the fellowship hall. Now they have walls up there inside the fellowship hall that used to be the church. I think there might, no, that's the last picture. Uh, listen, y'all, we have been able to do that. Why? Because Jesus said to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are doing our best to go, and you can be involved at home. You can be involved in partnering with other places, and you can be involved in, in missions elsewhere, either through giving or through prayer or through going and doing it with us. But here's what you need to know. You need to know that you don't have to ask God what your mission is. He's already given it to you. And if you're not doing it, I'm not going to condemn you. I'm just going to say it's time to start now. Amen? Amen. It's really, really quiet in here. Does anybody believe that that's truth? Okay, here's number two in your notes. Oh, I got to move quickly. Number two, your mission is going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Anyone that's ever read anything on David knows that his mission costs him. His mission cost him his best friend, Jonathan. His mission cost him, uh, he had to run around like a nomad in the wilderness and live in caves because he was running for his life. Saul wanted to kill him. His mission cost him, it cost him a lot. Amen? But here's what he would probably tell you. He would probably tell you that it was worth whatever cost it was. God honored him. God honored his family, his humility. He honored the fact that David never once went against Saul 
but he allowed God to, to do the, um, have control of all, all of that. Um, so what, what might your mission cost you? Let me read you the cost of discipleship in the Bible. <laughs> Luke chapter 14 and verse 26 and 27. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you can't be my disciple. In other words, you have to be so focused on me and love me and focus on the mission that I have for you that everything else actually revolves around that mission. It's not that you hate anyone or anything. It's that everything that you do revolves around that thing. And then he says, if you don't carry your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. If you're not willing to give up everything about your life, even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. Matthew 10, 39, if you cling to your life, ah, it just makes me uncomfortable. Ah, I just don't want to do it. Ah, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. The absolute truth is that Jesus wants us to be willing to give up everything for him. There's no way around that. If you don't think that your mission is going to cost you, then just have a conversation with someone that went to Cuba. Okay? It cost them. It cost them their money. You pay $1,700 to go sweat your butt off for six days. Somebody posted, somebody posted a picture on, of us on the beach and somebody, I think it was kind of being a jerk to them, uh, messaged back and said, maybe they weren't, I don't know, I don't know the situation, I was just reading it on Facebook. They said, so was this a mission trip or a pleasure trip? And I was like, <laughs> we paid $1,700 to go die in sweat uh, for you lady, you don't know nothing. It was definitely, we took the, 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 the youth there to the beach for them to swim and had a day with them and it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with them. Uh, but it cost them money. Can I be honest? Your mission, whatever it is, it's going to cost you money. Your mission, it's going to cost you time. If you went to Cuba, you, that mission cost you time. Not only did you give up seven days to go and do the mission, but you gave up lots of time before that. You had to come practice songs that we were dancing. You had to come practice lessons that we were teaching. Come pack up all of the different things that were donated. It's going to cost you time. Your mission will cost you time. And then number three, your mission is going to cost you comfort. And in the Cuba case, you're going to sweat. It's going to cost you sweat. The thing that you do most in Cuba is you sweat. All the time. From the moment that you walk out the door of your room, literally, you start sweating. I counted one day. It was three seconds. Three seconds from the moment that I walked down to my first, sh like, in my shirt, that I, I started sweating. Three, three seconds. I wasn't even outside. I was like in the living area of the, of the hotel place. Three seconds. You're going to sweat. It's going to cost you sweat. In fact, let me show you a picture. This is right after I was done preaching. Look, my shirt is actually a completely different color at the top. You can kind of see at the bottom. Uh, it's going to cost you. Listen, your, your mission is going to be uncomfortable. I don't like sweating like that. I'm going to be real with you. I like the air conditioning. <laughs> But his mission for me is more important than my comfort. Um, 
There you sweat everywhere. You sweat in your house. You sweat in the restaurant because restaurants don't have AC. You sweat in the church. You sweat fr from 7.30 in the morning until about 2 a.m. the next morning. You're sweating uh, because you can't run AC in your room. Uh, I I'm encouraging y'all to go to Cuba next year. Uh, you can't run AC in your room until you get there, and we get there at midnight. And so you turn the AC on at midnight. Well, it's 95 in the room. And so when you turn the AC on at midnight, about three, it kind of starts to cool down a little bit. Here's what I want to encourage you with. For those of you that want to lose weight next year, <laughs> sign up for the Cuba mission trip because you are going to drop some pounds and sweat. Somebody say amen. amen. Um, but listen, in, in our world, you know what your, miss, your mission will cost you? It'll cost you relationships. It'll cost you people being resentful towards you. You may get called a, a, a hater if you preach the truth, a bigot, um, old school church. I mean, if you're literally living by the truth and preaching the truth, it's going to cost you. There's always a cost to the mission of God. And number three in your notes, your mission will not be completed until you take your last breath. Now, in 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, David was now very old, and no matter how many blankets covered him, he could not keep warm. He was old, and he was about to die. His mission was not done yet, and he hadn't taken his last breath. His son, during that chapter, uh, Abinadi, I think is his name, um, tried to take over the throne. David, at this point in his life, has to install Solomon as the king. And then he pulls Solomon to himself after he installs him as the king, and he gives him this list. And he says, here is your mission. Your mission is to do this and this and this and this. This is what I haven't completed yet. I've got the building of the temple absolutely ready. Here's the things that you need to know about the building of the temple. Here is your mission. And when he gets done with his mission, verse 10 says, then David died and was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Your mission is not completed until you take your last breath. If you are breathing, your life is about sharing the truth of the gospel of Jesus with as many people as you can. Amen. You don't want to do that? Die. Yeah. That's the only option. Because until you take your last breath, the option is, as Paul said, I, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That didn't mean like kill yourself. That just meant the only other option that we had is to die. Um, oh, that didn't work out well. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Um, listen, I just wanted to say in my closing, Dan, where you at, Dan? Dan's 84 years old. And David, Dan went on the mission to mission on the mission to Cuba and outworked nearly all of us. Uh, I mean, if I, had a, if I had a suitcase in my hand that I was rolling somewhere like gaming stuff, he took it from me every time. And if I argued with me, he used the elder thing against me. I mean, just, he, 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 he outworked us. And then not only that, he didn't just outwork us physically, spiritually. On the last night, we had this massive healing night. It was really cool. I preached. And then I said, if you need healing tonight, I want to invite you to come. They came. We were there from 6 p.m. to like 1040 
uh, p.m. having this service. And Dan comes up at the end of the service and he says, I just feel in my spirit that someone's here um, that, that needs prayer over their heart. Like they need healing right now. And so the interpreter began to interpret. And the guy that was playing the bass was a doctor. And he runs over there and he says, somebody just left the church going to the hospital because they're having heart problems and they need healing right now. And we begin to pray for them to have healing. Listen, 84 years old. What does that mean? Thank you. What does that mean? That means you don't have an excuse. You are not too busy. You give your time to what's the most important to you. You are not too broke because you're spending your money on what is important to you. I never said this was going to be an easy message. I've been spending time in Cuba. <laughs> Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. <laughs> Worship team, would you come? Altar team, would you come? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Listen, if you're here today, maybe you're here today and you, you have not been following the Lord. Listen, I just want to tell you from my own personal story, it is the best thing that you will ever do. I didn't start following him until I was 19. And after I started following him and I began to learn who he was and build a relationship with him and give him my life and started allowing him to lead, I would never, ever, ever, ever go back. There's nothing that I regret in that. I can give you a lot that I regret before that. But I never once regretted the decision to give him all of me. If you're here today, I just want to encourage you. If you've never given him a chance or maybe you were at a different place and you've given him a chance and it didn't work out. If you're not following the Lord and today you want to make the decision to follow him. Maybe you've started following him in the past and you've fallen away. Today, if you want to make that decision to give your life to him, in just a minute when the band starts to play, I want to invite you to come. Listen, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've, I've given my heart to Jesus, but I haven't actually begun the mission. Maybe I've been fearful. Maybe I've made excuses. Maybe I've, whatever that is, if God is leading you and guiding you, that today you need prayer for strength and power to do the mission that he has for you. Or if you're healed to here today, I believe that God has been healing in our church and that he's gonna continue to heal. He's gonna continue to manifest the things of the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you need healing or you need prayer for anything else right now, if you need to give your life to Jesus, if you need to dedicate everything to him and his mission, if you need healing or if you need prayer for anything else right now, would you step out and come as they lead us in worship? Come on, church.